Hey everyone, and welcome to Radically Normal. This is Andre, and I'm here with Michael. And on today's episode, we will continue our journey through the book of 2 Corinthians and diving into chapter 12. Hope you guys enjoy the discussion. So I don't know how many episodes it's been, but you've been recording from your floor for quite some time now. How's, how's it going down there? Are you used to it? Yeah, it's been like five episodes, I think. Ever since I moved to Houston, I don't have a, a chair or desk or anything in here, so it's kind of unfortunate. I just have piles of things everywhere. So <laughs> a, pile, a pile of computer and podcast stuff, because uh, I have a work computer, so I don't really uh, use this computer for anything except for this. A pile of my work, uh, we kind of have to use like this fire retardant uh, jumpsuit looking thing. And the shoes I wear to work, another pile, uh, another pile for books. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, books. Kind of just pile. There's, there's just piles, you know, so it happens when you're, when you're living the dream. Well, I mentioned it in one of the either chapter 10 or chapter 11, but uh, with all the, the profits from the podcast, you should buy yourself a desk. Yeah, unfortunately, the profits are like negative 300 or something right now. So, <laughs> so that's that's really good. Well, as we learn in chapter 12, weakness is a good thing. So that's okay. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm learning and uh, battling through this, this weakness, although it doesn't compare to what we're about to see in uh, chapter 12 today. And what we've been seeing in the past couple, couple chapters with uh, Paul uh towards the end of his letter, making a defense uh, for himself, for his ministry, for his apostleship. And then so um, doing writing, uh, you would say, uh, what he considers to be uh, something of foolishness, of, of boasting, and we see what he boasts in, and that is um, his suffering and his uh, hardships that he's experienced be- uh, because of uh, the work that he's doing for the gospel. So that's kind of where we are going to jump in today. And today we're, we're going to uh, continue on that that path a little bit um, as we uh, start wrapping up this this amazing book. Great. So let's uh, just to tie the just to tie it all together because we have been we just recorded for chapter eleven yesterday, but it's been a week since chapter eleven would have released. So just to connect Come last on, week, don't give don't give away our secret. Come on, come on, bro. Don't we have to be open. Paul's Paul's open. Okay. Paul lives with integrity. We have to be just as open as he is. And so chapter 11 last week, we talked a lot about this idea of boasting these super apostles. Paul drops down to the level of being a fool in his words. And basically in the second half of the chapter that Andre said last week that I skipped forward to verse 16, he talks about his sufferings as an apostle, but in a way that's supposed to uh, show his true apostleship and what God has done through him. And we talked a lot about this boasting and how, uh, what is God glorifying about boasting, how we're to boast in the Lord from Jeremiah nine and how we're not to boast in like our own excellencies. And so that's what he says in 11 verse 30. And then we, he's, we start off chapter 12. He says, I must go on boasting. And just as a little recap, the reason he's talking about specific things in the boasts, um, are, is because the super apostles, these people causing disruptions with gospel truth in Corinth, boasted about Jewish heritage, and they also boasted about uh, r- rhetoric, because Paul talks a lot about how he's not rhetorically advantaged in any sort of way. And then they also boast about these visions or these divine revelations, which we're going to see today in verse 2, as he says he was caught up to a third heaven. So, 
We may not have experienced that, but Andre, have you been raptured up to the third heaven? No, no, unfortunately not. Um, but actually what was interesting was, uh, <laughs> um, today, uh, you know, uh, passion is going through, uh, the book of acts. And today as I was listening, um, there was like a comment made about passion 2020, uh, which you remember when they opened up the, the ceiling at Mercedes Benz and yeah, that was nice. How, while we may not have experienced, um, you know, what happened at Pentecost and, and some of the, some of the things like this, uh, maybe that's what it felt like, you know, the wind blowing all over here in the air. It was just a funny joke. <laughs> kind of reminded me of what we're talking about here. But what I, what I do think is interesting into this is, is as, as you said, uh, Paul's going to talk a little bit about uh, these uh, visions and, and revelations here at the beginning and uh, the first verses here. And what is interesting is, um, is that, you know, he says that he knows of a man uh, who this has happened to, but he's talking about himself. Um, I think that's really, really interesting because, you know, he says um, not that he's not going to boast in that way, but he's going to, you know, boast in his weakness um, and kind of goes on saying that. Um, and because we do know that he's, you know, talking about himself, um, even though in verse three, he says that uh, he knows uh, this man. Um, so he's talking like in the third person, this, uh, I guess you'd, you'd like dig a little deeper. I didn't really know until I read in the, in the commentary that, you know, he was actually talking about himself, but really what he's getting at is um, he's not going to even boast in, in the fact that he got to experience this, but, but instead boast in, in the things that he's um, experiencing now, which is, which is his weakness and uh, a lot of the things that um, he's been boasting about and uh, being a fool because of, um, which is the hardships that he's gone through. Yeah, that's really good. And actually, thinking of the third person, I don't know if any listener is a Seinfeld fan like I am, but there's an episode where there's this character named Jimmy, and he always refers to himself in the third person. Jimmy had a great game today. Jimmy did this. And so that's what I was thinking of. But back to Paul's use of the third person, it's actually interesting because there could be like several reasons why. Like for one, they're only people that were ever snatched up to heaven, like you think in the Old Testament, like were people that were just known in Jewish culture to be super strong in their faith and to not be idolized, but definitely be held with renown. And so he may not want be wanting to put himself on that sort of pedestal. Um, and he may, and in like Jewish uh, literature at the time, you know, there wasn't, uh, there were, there were different types of these like rapture revelation type things where people didn't know if they were in their body or out of the body. So it may be like a reference to how he viewed his own experience. And, uh, there were also times in this Jewish literature that's not in the Bible, by the way, that, uh, people would use the third person kind of like Paul is doing, but we know that he's talking about himself. What's interesting is he talks about multiple visions, but he references one that was 14 years ago, which is a little weird. And just to kind of Andre hates when I skip down, but like when we get to the most famous verse in the chapter and potentially in the entire book on how Jesus's uh, grace is sufficient for us and his power is made perfect in weakness in verse nine, like we don't even know if that is like part of the different revelation or vision or how that kind of correlates to the one 14 years ago from verse two. Uh, but it's certainly a very interesting verse. And the last point I care about about that is that um, what I found to be interesting is that the reason why he's he's talking about uh, these uh, revelations and visions of himself is also uh, partially because of these two apostles, which 
uh, you kind of kind of mentioned already that you know they came with the claims that they have had these vision revelations, um, and uh, in Corinth they're saying, well, Paul, like you don't talk about uh, having the same kind of experiences, so how can we believe you and, and not believe them? That's kind of where some of the that's one of the claims that they're making about Paul, uh, and and then he kind of goes out and uh, and um, and tells them of of these experiences that he has had, um, but how he is more aligned with, as Michael uh, pointed out later on in verse nine, uh, with, uh, you know, what Christ actually said to him, which is that, um, that, you know, his power is made perfect in weakness. Right. And, and Paul's going to say, if he's going to boast about anything, it's going to be about his weakness, about, um, these visions that, that, um, he has had, um, and, and it's kind of, kind of saying that, uh, you know, that's not really the most thing and not what uh, they should focus on um, and then also that he's kind of getting at what the super apostles are saying about him. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's also, I just said, I just realized I missed something completely. Like what even is the third heaven? And so, um, there is like, I mean, some people like to talk about like, well, what about like the, like the atmosphere and the clouds and then like space or like, what about like the clouds and then space and then heaven? Like there are multiple interpretations, but it is worth noting, like if we know what Paul's context was, that there were Jewish writings, some influenced by the Old Testament, and we're not going to spend time going through those right now, and then some by like stuff that wasn't in the Old Testament, such as the Testament of Levi, but texts that actually give like a Jewish picture of like this, uh, this heaven with like not three ranks, but like three levels per se, and the third heaven or the third tier that was like the highest and was equated with paradise. So when he says in the next verse in verse three, I know that this man was caught up into paradise, the third heaven and the paradise are equated. So just want to throw that in there. What is the third heaven? I thought it would be maybe worth mirth mentioning, but we can keep going with what Andre's talking about. And he says he will not boast of this man. And on his own behalf, he's only boasting of his weaknesses and he says he he doesn't want to be a fool and so we get this like transition where he's no longer being a fool and we really get to see like where his heart is actually at and we also get to see his humility because of what god gives him which is this thorn in the flesh yeah that's that's exactly where i was going to get to next because he makes the point that while these while these visions and and uh things that he has experienced while they're awesome and great and true he he doesn't want to you know be conceited about it he says and he says that um in his in his um uh, humility and, and in order for him not to become conceited he's saying uh, that he was given a thorn in his flesh um he says in uh, verse seven i believe and then um and that's where we kind of get we get to this this point where where you know he says that he has you know pleaded with the Lord to take it away from him. Um, and that's where that, that famous verse um, that Michael was talking about. Um, but we do get to see Paul uh, be honest about, you know, this thorn and um, we really see his, his, his humility here. Um, and uh, there's a lot of interpretations about what the thorn may be. Um, and I'm sure Michael, you have a lot, lot to say on this. I'll let you, uh, I'll let you uh, uh, take over. Well, I actually first wanted to give a Harry Potter reference, but I'll go with the thorn thing. I actually don't have a lot of thoughts on this because I don't like when there's a lot of like Old Testament background or like extra biblical meaning outside of the Bible literature, like to help help us think through things. I think that's really helpful. But when there's just a lot of like 
uh, speculation when we don't really have anything that helps us that much. I don't really know how helpful it is, except that the Lord does give him this thing that, that makes him toil and it makes him be more dependent on the Lord. And I think it's fair. I mean, like, we don't know for sure, but like, what a lot of people in church history and today have said is that this thorn is some sort of pride. And like, that's totally realistic. We just don't truly know the answer to that. But in verse six, it's interesting how these, all these verses really tie together thematically because in verse six, like he says, he doesn't want anyone to think more of him than they can like see him uh, do or hear him say. And so like in Harry Potter, if you're familiar, the second movie or second book, Chamber of Secrets, Gilderoy Lockhart, like he has all these stories about all these things he uh, did, such as with the Banshee uh, and the werewolves and everything. But he doesn't actually like nobody like he talks all these things, but nobody actually can see him do any of this because we know that he's actually a fraud at the end of the, the movie. Sorry to ruin it if you haven't seen that. But Paul's the exact opposite. Paul is full of integrity, humility. And we, again, we don't know what this thorn is, except the Lord is using it to humble him. And while Paul wrestles with that and pleads with the Lord to take it away, uh, there's a point to it. And that's when we get to verse nine, the most famous verse, perhaps. I actually know someone, she may listen to this, we'll see. And she'll probably let me know if so, but she wants to get a tattoo. I think that has like 12, nine on it or something to do with that because she loves this verse, Jesus or the Lord. We actually don't know if it's God or Jesus specifically that says it because the text is unclear because Paul views Jesus as God. And so Lord in the previous verse, uh, or in the previous verse could refer to God or Jesus specifically. And God says, or the Lord says to him, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And as a result of what God tells him or the Lord, therefore he will boast all the more gladly of his weaknesses. And so Paul doesn't want the thorn in the flesh, but he recognizes how the Lord's using it in his life. That's really good. And and I just wanted to go back to your uh, Potter because, um, Unlike Paul, I can say that I, I am um, a fraud when it comes to Harry Potter because I have not watched any of the movies or read any of the books. Bro, um, come I, on. Oh, yeah. When we were in Norman or when Andre came up to Norman at the end of the semester, we watched one. And instead of just being into the movie, you're asking questions. He was so focused on these pairs that we had to drive out of the way to get for his movie. You should see, You do not want to watch a movie with Andre. Just a heads up. Okay, let's, let's relax. If it was a good movie, I would have... No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't want to give any hot takes today, but what I will say <laughs> um, is that um, kind of to kind of my last point on this is is just that um, you know the big takeaway uh, for me at least is is you know at the end when um, when Paul kind of ties it together, you know, it brings him, it makes him glad um, when you know he is weak because when he is weak, uh, then it elevates Christ up, elevates, um, you know, the work that Christ is doing. And then no one can take away from Christ by trying to um, add to anything that Paul uh, may have done. And um, I think that, you know, that really spoke to me. I'm um, thinking that, you know, when it comes to to things that uh, maybe our accomplishments or, 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 you know, great things that, that we've been able um, to do or, or experience or anything like that, uh, just, um, you know, making less of us, um, uh, so that you know more can be made of Christ uh, when it comes to our our mission in our everyday lives, and um, you know as as you know we go about. Um, and I think that that's really great seeing um, Paul's uh, just his humanity um, and in him in his humility um, speaking to to this thing that uh, is really just getting at him, which is this thorn. 
Yeah, I just want to say one more thing on this entire section. We can keep going. Just that, like, it's interesting, though, because, like, in verse 10, he talks about things that involve physical hardship. And it is also just as possible, didn't refer, didn't say this a couple minutes ago, that the thorn in the flesh is some sort of, like, physical impairment or something that hurts him physically um, as well. So that's also a possibility. And then I just, like, I just want to say one thing, like, about how God's power is made perfect in uh, our weakness is that it's not, like, Paul's not just referencing like any power. He's referencing the power that Jesus had, that was given to Jesus that's also in us. Thinking of, Paul says in one of the best chapters, perhaps in the whole Bible, Romans 8, in verse 11, that this uh, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead also dwells in us. And so that's the power he's talking about, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, it's just interesting how that spirit uh, strengthens him despite this thorn, despite all the weaknesses, the insults, hardships, persecutions. I'm reading verse 10. And then now we kind of move into a different section where in verse 11, he says, I have been a fool. You forced me to it. Like he's saying, like, I descended to the level. I know what I did and you forced me to do it. I had to do it. And so now we look at his concern for the church at Corinth. Yeah, that's that's really going to be, we kind of see this transition here, but then also kind of a, uh, a continuation that, you know, we saw that he talks about these, uh, these visions, these experiences that he's had. Um, and now, you know, we also see that he says that um, he has performed signs and wonders and miracles um, in verse 12. And, you know, he's, he's saying, um, you know, he has um, had integrity. He hasn't been a burden to them. He says um, he's shown him these things that, that, um, um, you know, demonstrated his, his apostles to them. Um, and he makes this comparison again um, to the super apostles and of um, the discussion, the discourse that's going on uh, surrounding Paul. Um, and, you know, we see his love uh, for them and his deep care for them kind of shine through this um, as he wants them to, um, you know, not so much focus on him, but he does want to defend himself, but then also uh, his main purpose is for them not to be, uh, you know, uh, swayed by these super apostles um, and uh, for sure not because of anything that he's done. Yeah, it almost feels like like going off of exactly what you said, like I just want to jump down to verse 19. Like that's what my impulse is because it's really weird because this whole time, chapter 10, chapter 11, especially 11, and then now 12, we've been talking about Paul defending his apostleship. Like, it's certainly a theme in Second Corinthians, if not one of the main themes. But he says, have you been thinking all along that we've been defending ourselves to you? And so the point is exactly what Andre said. Like, yeah, he's defending himself, but like, the goal is that they wouldn't be persuaded or led astray by these super false apostles. And also that they would, he would just be reconciled to them and uh, they would experience the unity that God has uh, created and designed them as a body to be. And so getting back up to where we, we left off, uh, we get another third. So we had the third heaven, but now we're talking a real third here for the third time. He's ready to come to them and he doesn't seek the, their things. He seeks them again. He wants integrated fellowship, not anything they can give him. And then he references, as I think I talked about in 11, but maybe it was chapter 10 about how he's like the spiritual father for them and he just wants to like whatever it takes he just wants their souls to be built up he wants the gospel to be known he wants unity among the church and we might have said that 800 times in the last three episodes but that's what he wants that's what his heart is in all of this chaos of the last few chapters 
Yeah, that's really good, especially uh, the point that you made about, you know, what he really wants is is for them, their relationship to be reconciled. And, you know, he's going to go uh, to any um, extremes that, that he has to be saying, you know, uh, he doesn't want them to say that he's going to them for, for money or, or for any possessions or anything like that. But more so that, you know, if it's even better for them, that he will give them um, whatever they may desire and whatever they may need. Um, and, you know, he's saying that uh, the most important thing is their relationship um, with the Lord, but then also, you know, that they have this reconciliation with each other. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting because he talks about what they've had in their midst too. Like, Andre, you just said, like, unity amongst each other, and he references somebody that's among them because he references somebody they know dearly and they know well who's Titus. And we've talked about Titus before. If you don't remember where that was, that was chapter 7, chapter 8, around 7, verse 15, 8, verse 16 through 23 or so. Um, And so he's referencing Titus and saying, like, Titus and I have the same heart for you. Like, we're not in... Uh, any sort of conflict and we don't have any difference in desire like we desire the same thing and we're trying to walk in the same way and so that kind of leads us to verse 19 which I had referenced but the again the point is so that it all of the stuff he was saying like if we had to sum up what's the reason for everything Paul said despite the idea of foolish boasting and despite the idea of defending apostleship what's the whole point it's these five words at the end of verse 19 all for your upbuilding beloved For sure. And then another interesting thing uh, to take note of is uh, here at the end where he says that, you know, he fears that when he does go and and make this third visit, as uh, Michael said, that, you know, what he's going to find. Right. Um, And the interesting thing there is that um, I would say in congruence with uh, their uh, lack of of um, following through with the spiritual warfare we saw um, in the last chapter um, and and kind of uh, taking heart to these. Uh, false apostles, right? That we see that what also falls with that is uh, when their heart isn't um, kind of focused on 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 this warfare, you know, right in front of them. That we're going to see kind of these other things that that Paul is is afraid of that he's going to find when he gets there, um, and and Paul kind of gives that warning to them that he's going to find them, you know, with jealousy, fits of rage, um, selfish ambition, and on and on. Uh, and I think it's really interesting to to see how how those two things kind of. Uh, uh, followed, you know, one 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 after the other of losing that um, that spiritual battle, and then and then now we see this battle uh, with the flesh as well. Yeah, oh, that's really good battle with the flesh because I was literally thinking about. I mean, there's a lot of connections, and you can always be thinking about how one letter of Paul connects to another letter of Paul because Galatians five is certainly a lot of connections to like walking in the flesh versus walking in the spirit. Andre talking about like the flesh is acting, but I was really thinking about Ephesians four and five because. I mean, some people break down Ephesians into two parts. Ephesians 1 through 3 is the gospel and it, the mystery of that truth revealed. And then Ephesians 4 through 6, the second half of the book, is the implications of the gospel for the church, the family, etc. Like, what are the implications for life of that gospel and how do we live as a result? And so in, at the end of Ephesians 4, for instance, Paul says, put away all bitterness and wrath and anger and slander and clamor. And then in Ephesians 5, he talks about how they need to put away sexual immorality and filthiness and foolish talking and crude joking. And so we see all these things, like the reason these things are listed, he doesn't want to find is because if we connect it to Ephesians, it's because Paul understands that these things are to be put away if the gospel truth is really in us. Like the implications of the gospel is that these sins are put away and we walk in the spirit. And so Paul doesn't want to find these things because that means they're not walking 
in light of what the gospel's implications actually are. That's really good. And I don't know if you have any other points uh, about this chat, but um, I'm, I'm good to, to uh, leave it at that if you are. Um, but thank you guys for listening. And uh, I'll give it back to Michael for one last chance if he has anything. Uh, no, but I do, I do want to put it on the record that I will one day get Andre to enjoy, watch first and enjoy the Harry Potter series. Maybe the books as well. Awesome. Sounds, sounds great. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoy the discussion and, uh, leave those Q and a questions as, as I always uh, like to remind you guys, uh, uh, see you guys back next week for our final episode, um, in this season and in the book of second Corinthians.